Well, good morning again, everybody. We are so excited to have you with us today as we connect online and gather together across Facebook and across YouTube. We're really excited to have this opportunity to gather around our practice of prayer and worship and communion and reading of scripture today. What I'd like to do today is share with you some of what's been going on in the community and how that reminds me of what we've been talking about, about the need to build better resilience in our lives through certain spiritual practices. Just yesterday, uh, this week, my wife, Janelle, who runs our uh, Sarah's Hope Food Pantry here at Oceanside Sanctuary, re she received a call from a business owner here in Oceanside who owns a restaurant, a local restaurant that many of you would be familiar with. And he said, you know, I just really have a desire to give back because when this thing first happened, when uh, all of this social distancing and quarantining first happened, my business really took a hit. And then we opened up to offer takeout food. And when we did that, so many people came out of the woodwork in our community and purchased food from us and came and picked up and really expressed a desire to make sure that our business was able to survive and even thrive through this time. And so I, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so humbled by that, that I really find myself in a position now to be able to give back. And so what he said was that he wanted to be able to give food to Sarah's Hope Food Pantry so that Sarah's Hope could provide for people in need because he was so grateful for how people in the community had made sure that his business was going to be able to make it. And that's actually something that Janelle and I have talked about a lot over the past several weeks. Through our program, Sarah's Hope, we've discovered that there has been an increase in the amount of cooperation that's going on in Oceanside, in Carlsbad, and all over North County. And wherever it is that you live, if you're not here in Southern California, maybe you've noticed the same thing too. That when things get really tough like this, you know, friends and neighbors and fellow business owners, people from all over the community, people who work for the city, people who work for nonprofits and for-profits and churches and synagogues and other kinds of faith communities, they tend to come together and provide for each other because by doing that, we become a stronger, more resilient community. Well, that's something that we've noticed, and it reminds me of the passage that we're going to read today. So I want to ask you to turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. Last week, when we were talking about the importance of having diverse relationships, we visited this same passage. And today, what I want to do is take a look at the second half of the Great Commission. So again, this is Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18 is where the Great Commission begins, and we're going to read 18 through 20. Some of this is going to seem very familiar to you, and I want to point out a couple of things that I see in this passage that really speak to how we can cultivate a spirituality of resilience in our lives. Here's what Matthew 28, verse 18 says. Uh, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, there are a couple of things in here that I, I want you to notice. The first is, of course, that these are the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, before he left. And so you can be sure that one of the things that Jesus was concerned about was that in his absence, his disciples would be resilient, that they would have the ability to persevere through the difficulties that were coming. And he actually tells them in this passage 
one of the ways that they can cultivate resilience. And I think we're likely to miss it because we see something that seems very familiar to us, a symbol that has been used so much over the past 2,000 years in the church that I think it's often in danger of losing its meaning. And so if you would look with me again back at verse 19, Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the passage that we talked about last week. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we hear that passage, I think the great danger is that when Jesus says that we ought to go out and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, what we tend to think about is baptism. Now, many of you have been here in our church, and you know that right behind me back there, where there's this painting of the Jordan River, that we have our baptismal. And many of you have seen me baptize people in that very baptismal. And when we read this passage, I think that what we do is we picture those moments, that moment of ritual that we have been practicing as a church for over 2,000 years. And for good reason, because that has its roots in Jesus's own baptism. And Jesus's baptism at the hands of John the Baptist has its roots in Jewish purification rituals. But I think it's important for us to remember that that ritual we practice, where we take people when they have decided to make a commitment to Christ, when they've decided to become a part of the people of Christ, we take them and we dunk them underwater and then we bring them back up and we literally say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're echoing Jesus's words in the Great Commission. That is an important and powerful and meaningful ritual. But rituals are symbols. And the trouble with symbols is that when symbols begin to lose their meaning, then we forget that symbols don't exist in and of themselves. They're supposed to point to a greater reality. And that's true of baptism too. Baptism points to a greater reality. Now, what Jesus is saying here is not go out into all the world and grab anybody you can and convert them to Christianity and then dunk them under the water while you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's asking his disciples to do. Rather, Jesus is asking his disciples to immerse people. That's literally what the word baptism means. He's asking his disciples to go out to bring the good news of God's availability, and then to take those people and immerse them into the reality of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he's tapping into an ancient Jewish understanding of how powerful a name can be. The name in the ancient uh, Near Eastern Jewish tradition didn't just refer to, you know, the word that you use to refer to a person. Rather, that word, that identity, that moniker meant something about who they were. It referenced their essential character, who they actually are. And so when Jesus says this, take people and immerse them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's saying that we ought to be able to take people as followers of Christ and literally immerse them into the present reality that is the character, the nature, the virtue, and the goodness of God. 
the triune God, the God that represents the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here we get into a little bit of esoteric theological language about the Trinity, because this passage really does refer to the Trinity, this eternal divine relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, where they exist as equal beings on some level that we are not able to immediately perceive. Now, there's a beautiful passage that I want to share with you that hints a little bit at what is going on in that Trinitarian relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how Christ incarnated himself into our world out of that Trinitarian relationship in a unique way. And that passage is Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read it to you now. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in Philippi, and he says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, when Paul says that Jesus did not regard his equal relationship with God to be something that he should take advantage of, he says, instead, Christ emptied himself out. That word that is translated there, empty himself out, is kenosis in the Greek. And kenosis literally means to pour oneself out completely. And so that is a picture of Jesus in relationship with the Father and the Spirit. And when Jesus is incarnated in our presence in the ancient Near East in the first century, what we have a picture of here, what Paul says happened, is that the Trinitarian God literally poured God's self out utterly in the person of Christ. That is, God, who exists eternally, gave God's self to us completely and totally. That is a picture of love and self-sacrifice and utter selfless giving. That's what we mean when we use the word kenosis. Now, there is another word for the kinds of relationships that we have when we pour ourselves out for another person. And that relationship is a relationship of equality. And that word is interdependence. And it turns out that relationships that are interdependent is another important factor, factor in human resilience. And so like Christ, we ought to be searching for opportunities for us to be in relationship with God and with each other in ways where we pour ourselves out equally for another person out of divine love, out of self-sacrifice and service, knowing full well that that other person will pour themselves out for us as well. That's what keeps those kinds of relationships, by the way, from not being codependent. Codependent, unhealthy, toxic relationships are relationships that are unequal, where you are pouring yourself out over and over and over again for another person, but they don't reciprocate. You are caring for them and seeing to their needs, but they are not caring for you and seeing to your needs. 
And those unequal powered relationships become toxic and abusive and hurtful precisely because they are unequal. And when those relationships become deeply pathological, the person who's doing the caring becomes just as dependent at the, as the person who is receiving the care. Let me be as clear as I can, that is not what we are talking about here. What we're talking about are deep and rich and healthy, loving relationships, like the relationship that we see modeled in this Trinitarian picture of God. This Trinitarian relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, where they are existing in divine union at all times, forever giving and receiving and caring and loving and pouring each other out for the others in self-sacrifice. That relationship, that relationship of eternal divine giving is the relationship that Jesus invites us into and that Jesus says we ought to immerse other people in. It's a relationship of beauty and generosity and health and maturity. And it's the best kind of relationship that we can find ourselves in, in any stage of our lives. You know, the 13th century uh, mystic monk, Meister Eckhart, uh, said this about this kind of relationship. He says, it's good when God pours his self into man, but it's better when God becomes fruitful in man because fruitfulness is the only gratitude for the gift. Now, here's what Meister Eckhart, I think, meant when he said that. There's a lot going on in that sentiment, but the most important thing to my mind that Meister Eckhart is revealing to us there is that when we enter into these kinds of divine, loving, self-giving, interdependent relationships, we don't just receive the gift of love, but that gift of love, once we receive it from God, is multiplied in us so that we are abundantly full of goodness and love and joy to give back to other people. That multiplication, that, that fruitfulness, that, that magnification of love is what gives us the strength to be resilient no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what our circumstances might be. Now, all of that is really just a kind of a fancy, mystical, theological way of saying something that I think we all know to be true already. And that is simply this, that when we are in relationships of genuine, authentic, self-giving love, we are better and stronger together than we are when we're alone. Now, what I wanna invite you to do today is to spend some time today and this week reflecting on how your relationships can become more genuinely interdependent, how your relationships with your partner or your spouse or your children or your parents or your coworkers or your neighbors or your friends, whoever it might be, how can those relationships be characterized by this kind of Trinitarian, self-sacrificial interdependence? How is it that you can bring to those relationships the abundance of what God has poured out in your life? And how is it that you, as an equal, can be willing to receive the goodness that they have to pour out for you as well? In a very real sense, this is what's going on in our community when we have people in response to a crisis like this reaching out and taking care of each other. And these are the kinds of relationships that we ought to be modeling for everybody who looks and sees, 
who we are and what we're all about at a church like the Oceanside Sanctuary. I want to thank you guys for being the kind of church that's willing to do this sort of thing through programs like Sarah's Hope and the other ministries that we have like Justice Works uh, or the Second Saturday Homeless Resource Fair. We're eager to see those kinds of programs uh, brought back online in fullness once all of this is behind us. But in the meantime, our prayer for you is that you would continue to stay safe and healthy and that God would continue to inspire you and fill you with his love. Uh, every single moment of every single today, day today. I just want to pray that you would join with me today as we lift up our prayers to God and ask him to continue to teach us how to enter into those kinds of relationships with him. Would you just pray with me? God, we just thank you again for this opportunity for us to gather as a people. Even though we are gathering online, we know that we are connected to you and to each other in ways that we can't see with our eyes or touch with our hands. We, we know that our uh, ability to reach out and encourage each other, to pray for each other, and to connect with you can't be taken away because we aren't able to be in the same space together. We look forward to that time when we're able to gather again, but until that time happens, we pray, God, that you would be with people, keep people in our community healthy, keep people in our community safe, and help us to be a community that thrives by being connected more deeply to your eternal love. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.